Amen. Well, good morning, church. It's a good day already, isn't it? Yeah, God is here and God is good and you're here and if you're joining us from home, I'm so glad that you are joining us today on this uh, on this special extraordinary day because God wants to do some stuff today and uh, and I want us to be prepared and, and ready for that. Before we get started and we jump into jump into the word this morning, I have two quick announcements for us. Uh, the first is that uh, in two weeks on August 30th, let me back up, let me backtrack one step here. Back in March when the pandemic hit, uh, we had planned to do a church-wide picnic at the end of March on that fifth Sunday. And uh, we had paid for and rented the tent uh, because you all kept coming to these uh, picnics. We needed to get a larger tent than what we had been getting. Anybody had to sit outside of the tent in those picnics? Okay. So we've got this massive tent on reserve and uh, tables and chairs to go with it. Well, we had to cancel the picnic because of obvious reasons. So we moved that to May. And uh, in May, we still weren't having service, so we were unable to do that. Well, we're back in having service now, and they're going to deliver that tent on August 30th, okay? So we're having a picnic on August 30th, and, uh, and that is for those of you who are comfortable being a part of that. Now, here's the deal. We don't want you to bring any food. We just want you to bring yourself. We're going to supply all the food. We're going to supply everything. You just come, hang out, and fellowship. It's going to be immediately following service on August 30th. If you're at home and you'd like to join us that day, we welcome you. We want you to come and be a part of that August 30th right after service. The second announcement that I have to make today uh, is that we are going to begin the phase in of opening our children's ministry here at Springhouse, okay? And so... uh, We are going to start phase one on September the 6th, and more information is going to come out this week and next week about what that looks like. Now, we hope to have the full children's ministry open and operational by the end of the month in September, Uh, so be looking for announcements. Next week, Pastor Kim's prepared to give some clarity uh, as to who is welcome to come back initially as we phase this in, but uh, I'm excited about what God's doing in this place. For those of you who are are ready, some of you have been at home waiting for the opening of children's ministry ministry. And so we've got that planned for you on September 6th. We're going to continue our series today. You are promise keeper. You are promise keeper. Are you ready? All right, let's stand and let's get into the word today. Whatever God has promised gets stamped with the yes of Jesus. In him, this is what we preach and pray. The great amen. God's yes and our yes together, gloriously evident. God affirms us, making us a sure thing in Christ, putting his yes within us. By his spirit, he has stamped us with his eternal pledge, a sure beginning of what he is destined to complete. And one more verse. No word from God will ever fail. Could we say that one more time? No word from God will ever fail. Father, I thank you that your word is alive and active today, God. And I thank you that the truths that are uncovered in your word will stick for all eternity. Today, God, I ask that you would change people's lives, that you would change our hearts. Our hearts would be pliable, Lord, as we gravitate to your promises, to your truth, as we, as we build into the foundation of our lives, which is your word, Father God. We can stand on that because we know that your word is true and real. Today, do a work, God, and we'll be careful to give you the glory for what you do. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. amen. You may be seated. Have you, uh, have you ever had someone in your life break a promise that they made to you? Have you ever 
broken a promise you've made to someone else. Yeah. We live in a world full of broken promises. We live in a world full of of broken promises, whether it be politicians who are promising things to get your vote, whether it's TV ads uh, where you don't end up getting the bang for your buck, whether it's a weight loss program that doesn't give you the intended results that you thought you were going to get, whether whether it was a service provider who promised to give you excellent service but failed to do so. We live in a world of, of, broken, of broken promises. But promises within themselves, promises are real powerful things. And in fact, they are a lot of times the bedrock or they are the bedrock to some of the most sacred institutions we've come to put our faith in, such as marriage and the church. Promises are, are used to negotiate peace treaties between countries to, to keep us safe and, and not going to war. Promises are made by men and women, many of whom we will never meet in our lives who have made a commitment to keep us safe and to protect us. I have heard that back in the day, there used to be a time where when people said they were going to do something, they actually did it. Uh, I heard that back in the day, there was a time that when somebody said they were going to show up, they did. I've heard that back in the day, there was a time that when somebody said something, it actually meant something. Now, I've never been alive during those days, but I have heard that those days existed at some time in, in the past. But what would your world look like if you could absolutely bank on what people were saying to you? What would change in your, our lives if, if, if every yes, every, every promise that was made to us, every promise that we made actually happened? What would our lives look like if, if when people said, I'm going to show up, they actually showed up? and on time. (laughs) Right? But if we're really honest with one uh, one another, that that reality seems to not be one that we're close to whatsoever because we live in a broken world and there are broken promises within. Why do we break our promises? Why, what within us, what what makes us, gets us to a point where we break our word? You know, I, I don't think that a majority of people, when they, when they end up breaking a promise or breaking a word, I, I don't, I don't believe that a majority of people step into the promise thinking, I'm going to break this as soon as I make it. Now, some people do, some people do, but, but a majority of people probably with good intention say, I'm going to do this, do that, show up. And something comes along that causes them not to, 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 to keep that promise. There's a myriad of reasons, but there's a few, and there's a few that we gravitate, uh, gra- gravitate toward. One of them is we don't know how to say no. We don't know how to say no. Why is that? Because we don't want to let this person down. We want to be the Superman of the moment. I'll tell you something. One of, uh, of the many great lessons Margaret Mead taught me, the very best one is how to say no. She taught me how to say no. Another reason why we break our promises is we state the behavior of our best self and what our best self would do. I mean, we'll make a commitment, say, hey, I'll show up Saturday morning to help you serve. But in that moment, we know we're going to break that promise because that's just a far-fetched idea of what we want our best self to be. And still, sometimes we break our promises because we have every intention to do what we said, but we simply, truly don't have the time nor the resource to actually do it. And so, like I said, there's a myriad of reasons why promises are broken. And those are just a few. 
words hold such gravity. And consequently, broken promises can affect a person their entire lifetime. Broken promises and broken words can, can scar people on the inside for a very, very long time because promises are meant to be kept. Promises are meant to be kept. In church today, what I want you to understand is that God keeps his promises every single time. God keeps his promises every single time. And God's word is his promise. God's word is his promise. Now, if you've been coming to Springhouse over the last four or five weeks, you've been staring at some promises week after week after week, and you may not even know it because we've got banners back here that have them in front of your face. Be still and know that I am God. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. I can do all things through who gives me? With God, all things are. You're staring at God's truth. You're staring at God's promises. This book is filled with God's promises for your life. This book has truths in it. This, this book has things about you that you didn't even know about yourself. This book has things in it that will help you navigate through the hardest circumstances, the hardest storms. This word has so much life in, in, in it for you that if you're not accessing it, you're only reaching out for death. God has so much for you in his word. We can't allow our fractured ability to keep our word to define whether or not we can trust his. That's our struggle. We are so used to being hurt, so used to being lied to, so used to, to empty promises that we tend to trust God only at the level of our greatest letdown. But God desires so much more from us. He has so much more from us for us because we should not put God on the same playing field as man. God doesn't operate in the same system of a broken world because God is not broken. His promises are yes and amen. His promises are true and you can count on them. Before uh, he retired, a, a good friend of mine and mentor, Keith Lancaster, before we transitioned the school, he set me down in the office and he's not at all a crier, but he set uh, across from me and with tears in his eyes, he looked at me and said, Kevin, whatever you do, please make sure that you keep this school centered on Jesus. And when he said that to me, he followed it with another statement that I have held on to ever since. And God has constantly reminded me of it. And it is this, people will always let you down, but God will never fail you. People will always let you down, but God will never fail you. That means the heroes in my life, the people I put on a pedestal, those people that I aspire to be like, at some point, the likelihood is great that they are going to let me down. But this God who created me, this God who breathed me into existence, this God who has given me a word about my life, he will never, ever fail me and he will never fail you. I have four baby girls at home whom I love. And one of the things that I hope that when they grow up, they're able to look back on is daddy 
kept his promises. And if I was to grade myself right now at this moment, I'd probably give myself a strong B and A minus in that, in that, in that goal, in that objective. God's always an A plus. God is always an A plus because God never reneges, never breaks his promises. He never breaks his word. Two weeks ago when we started this series, uh, I talked to you and I told you at the beginning that the Lord had put in my spirit that we are to start making declarations over our lives and over our family's lives. And a number of you have gone there and have started to do that, to, to, to encounter that process. And I hope that God is revealing some things to you in that process. Yesterday, my wife and I, we reread our declarations to our girls. Do you know it's a great thing to pull, up your, pull your kids into that mix, even though no, no, no matter how young they are, pull them in and to speak the declarations, the promises, the truth of God over their lives as well. And so what we're doing in making declarations, if you weren't here a couple weeks ago or you're wondering what, what do I mean by that, I'm asking you to look in God's word and find some truth that you can stand on about your life and your family's life. When we make declarations, we, we create a foundation. We create something that we can stand on, that we can say, this is what we believe. Here's the thing. We will make declarations about fear all the time, but we won't make a declaration about the Word of God. I'll make a declaration of how much anxiety I'm, I'm, I'm struggling with, but I won't make a declaration about the Word of God. I'll make a declaration of how worried I am about all of this, but I won't Make the declaration on the word of God. God has a word for you. God has a declaration that you can grab to a truth, a promise for every one of you if you'll just grab it and stand on it. And for those of us who have started to do that, I want to encourage you to write down your declaration. Write it down. Write it down. Don't go to the file cabinet and file it away and walk away from it. Pull that baby out every so often and read that thing and remind yourself of God's truth that he's spoken over your life. Because let me tell you something. The world's got a lot of lies for you to grab. And if your hands are full of the truth, you don't have room to grab the lies that the world is sending you. We can make these declarations because we are declaring God's promise, God's word over our, our lives, God's truth. And when we write it down, it becomes like a symbol. It becomes a concrete thing to remind us of his promises. Do you know God uses symbols? He uses things in his word to remind us of his promise. One of the most famous symbols that he's used is a rainbow. Many of you know the story of Noah. Uh, he was walking on earth in a time where God was just not too happy with the people on the earth and what the choices they were making. So he decided, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get rid of this thing. I'm going to start over. I'm going to flood the earth. So he decides to flood this earth, save one righteous man named Noah, who he called up to build a boat, put animals inside. So he, he lets it rain 40 days, rain 40 nights. It's over. Noah's there in the boat. The waters recede. He gets out of the boat and God makes a promise to him. He puts the symbol in the, uh, in the air and, and this is what he says. He says, I have set my rainbow in the clouds and it will be the sign of the covenant. Covenant is just a big kid word for promise. I have set my rainbow in the clouds and it will be a sign of the promise between me and the earth. Whenever the rainbow appears in the clouds, I will see it and remember the everlasting covenant or promise between God and all living creatures of every kind on the earth. 
And so God gives this symbol for us to, for Noah, for, for God, for us to remember his promises, to remember the promise that he's given us. If you're married in the room, you have a symbol of your marriage and the promise that you've made to your spouse. It's a symbol, it's a ring, right, that we wear. It's a, it's a symbol of, 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 the, of the covenant, of the promise. And God has been true to that promise and every single other promise he said ever since. God's promises never fail, even if it takes generations to fulfill. Sometimes the promises that we're holding on to are not for you. They're for the next generation or the generation to come. Sometimes when you're not seeing God move in your life on the promises that you're gravitating to and you're wondering what's going on, it's because the promise is not supposed to unfold in your lifetime. It's for your kids or your kids' kids. God is so much larger than the hundred years that you're here on the earth. He's got a plan that reaches far beyond you or me and on into generations to come and was fulfilling promises from the generations that came before us. God is huge. He is massive. He is outside of time and he's got, he's got so many plans. And we tend to think that everything is supposed to happen right now. God has given me a promise. Where is it? It's Tuesday. My promise is supposed to be here on Wednesday. No, sometimes God makes us wait. Why does he make us wait? Because of the thing I talked about two weeks ago, there's this thing called the journey. There is a process before we reach the destination. And God's promises unfold in this process, in this journey, as we are going, as he's teaching us stuff because he's wanting to make us like his son. So we take his promise. What we do, what we tend to do, if you're anything like me, is I take the promise that God's given me and I try to make it happen myself. I try to make it happen myself. And in that process, we get frustrated with the waiting. And things start to get cloudy. Things start to get fuzzy. We get, we get tempted. We start grabbing onto things and we start to label it with God when it's not God at all. Wow. Come on, guys. Are you hearing me today? And so we start to turn to worldly vices such as achievement, money, addictions, all sorts of things that the world just puts out there that make us feel good in the temporary moment. And we like to say, okay, God's a part of my life, but I got one foot here and one foot in the other. And all that's really happening is that we are numbing the reality. We're numbing our reality. But here's the thing, God's truth is reality. God's word for you is reality. And you can stand on that promise. You can stand on the truth of God's reality for your life. The Bible tells us when we build our lives upon the rock, then we'll stand. What is your life being built on? What promise is your life being built on? What word is your life being built on a shaky foundation? Because it is laden with the things of the world, laden with the things that you've tried to gravitate to, that you've tried to make happen. Or is your life built on the steady rock of Christ Jesus, the truth that says, I will stand even when the storm comes, I will be able to stand because your truth remains. The rock of God's God is his promises and his truth. There was a man that we all know in scripture who tried to do things on his own. His name was Abram, started out Abram. And God 
goes to this man, Abram, and he says, I'm going to make your descendants as numerous as the stars. What a promise. That is a grand promise. I'm going to make your descendants as numerous as the stars. I can imagine when he walks away from that promise, boy, he's probably thinking, okay, now that's a promise. And he goes to his wife, Sarai, and he shares this promise, and they're walking out life doing things, and Sarai has an idea. It always starts with an idea, doesn't it? Sarai has an idea, and she says, hey, Abram, look, I'm not, I'm not trying, I'm not going to have a baby, okay? Okay, it's not happening, so this is what we need to do. Sleep with my, uh, with my servant here, and that's who you'll have your baby with. And Abram says, oh, that seems like we can make that work. Maybe God needs a little nudge here, okay? And so he does that, and they have the baby. Here's the thing. Don't let somebody else tell you what to do with your promise. Don't let somebody else tell you what to do with your promise. And so they do that. She has the baby. And when the baby is born, what's the first thing that happens? Conflict. Anything that you try to birth on your own is going to cause frustration and conflict. No matter how many God labels you slap on that thing, it's going to be frustration and conflict. And so God appears to Abram again. And this is what I love about God because God's grace and mercy is just massive in our lives. But he appears to Abram again and he says, I want to remind you of the promise I make. I want to, I want to remind you so much of the promise that I made to you that I'm going to change your name to Abraham. So that anytime somebody calls your name, you're going to be reminded of the promise I made to you. Abraham means father of many. So every time somebody said Abraham, he's reminded of the promise. Abraham, guys, is your promise in your life so connected to you that when somebody calls your name, it reminds you of the promise that God has made in your life? He has wonderful, incredible promises for you. So he reminds Abram of this promise. He changes his name to Abraham and he says, you and your wife now, Sarah, I've changed her name from Sarai to Sarah, are going to have a son and it's going to be through Sarah. And both Abraham and Sarah go, I don't know how this is going to happen. Sarah is 90 years old. Now, let me tell you something. My wife has pushed four humans through her body. Three of them she didn't use medicine for. One of them, she almost lost her life. And that was in her mid-20s into early 30s. This woman was 90 years old. Now, I'm not a woman, but I watched my, my wife agonize and go through that whole thing of pregnancy four times. I can only imagine what Sarah went through carrying out the promise that was within her. Sometimes the promise of God is going to come with some pain. It's going to come with some agony. It's going to come with some discomfort. It's going to come with some things that you don't want to see. You don't want to touch. You don't want to feel. And every time those things come, it doesn't mean it's not God. Because sometimes you're supposed to push through those things so that you can deliver the promise he has put within you. And God delivered his promise because God always keeps his word. With God, no word will ever fail. Even though they thought it was impossible, God did it. It was the promise that kept her going. It was the promise that sustained her. Listen, when the storms roll into your life, when you're in the midst of, you find yourself in the midst of a polarizing climate, when things begin to get fuzzy or cloudy in your life, church, listen to this, you need a word. 
Every one of you need a word. I need a word, you need a word, we collectively need a word from the Lord. And he is speaking even today as we speak. Would you just do this right now? Would you take your hands out and do this? Would you close your eyes and would you just say, God, God, give me a word. God, give me a word. Father, I ask that you would give us a word that you would give each person under the sound of my voice a word that they can gravitate to, that they can hold on to, God. That you would remind them that your promises are yes and amen, that your promises are true, that you haven't forgotten about us, that you haven't forgotten about the desires that you've placed in people's hearts, Father. I pray that there would be encouragement in the house today, God, because you're reminding people of your word and that as we grab these words and as we hold on to them, Father, that we would walk in so, so much confidence, even when the storms come, even when it doesn't look like things are going the way that they're supposed to go. God, Lord, that you would take these words, Lord, and that you would make them come to pass in your time, that we would be able to stand on your truth and that we would lay down all the lies of this world. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. When you have a word, you have God's truth. When you have God's promise, you can stand. Every word God gives will accomplish what it set out to do. Isaiah 55 says this, As the rain and snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but it will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I, I sent it. This is God's promise to us. This is what his word will do. It will always accomplish what it's sent out to do. And you and I, we have got to remove whatever vice, whatever distraction, whatever is in our way and hindering us from hearing God's word because he is speaking. Church, what promise do you need to cling to today? What truth are you aching for today? God has it. Worship team, come on up. What truth are you waiting for today? One of the best and most powerful words that happened in my life was attached to one of the most tragic moments of my life. Some of you know this story, but when I was 16, 17 years old, I had gotten to the point where I was so trying to please everyone in my life that I had taken on, taken on, taken on, taken on. And I was one of those people that was putting their yes, 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 yes out there because I didn't want to let people down. I didn't have a true sense of identity because I was finding my identity in what everybody else said to me. And I wasn't finding my identity in the place where it was. And in that process, I had gotten so much to a point where I just thought to myself, everything is empty because the promises that are, I was making, the promises that were coming my way and the people who said that they were in my life, I didn't believe them because they were broken and I didn't have God to fall back on because I was leaning on them. And so I got to a place where I was just overwhelmed and I decided my life is worth not living more so than it is worth living. And so I decided I'm gonna take my life. And so many of you know this story, but I, right here on Old Nashville Highway, I got in my car and I just belted it. I remember 60, 70, 80 miles an hour and I just belted it. And I, my plan was to ram my car into the newly built CVS that was right here and I was just gonna be over with it. And I remember getting to that point, getting right here to the church, speeding. And of course, you know, it was all like within five seconds probably, but to me, it just seemed to be so long. 
But in that moment, as I was about to take my life, God said something to me. It's the first and only time I truly feel like I heard an audible word from God. And the word was this, Kevin, I'm not finished with you yet. And I want to tell you something, church. Listen. Ever since that word, I've been able to get up with confidence and know I've got a word that I can stand on. This was pre-Sherry. This was before the kids. This was before the school. This is before anything really with the, with the church and, and things that are going on here with, that involve me. All of these things, all these promises unfolded from this word that I could stand on. You think I had some hard times? Absolutely. You think I had some people spit in my face metaphorically? Yes, I have. Have you think I've had people like turn their back on me, backstab, talk about me back? Absolutely. You think I've had rough go at it? Surely I have in times. But what has gotten me through is that I had a word and I could trust the word and I could stand on the promise of God's truth and his word. And every single time he has met me in my weak place and he's given me strength. Guys, I'm telling you, if you've got a word, you can live. If you get a word, you can fly. God has a word for you that will ch possibly change everything because that's what God's word does. It changes everything. God's promises for you are yes and amen. Now the band is getting ready to do Waymaker and we're going to let those who are going to serve the elements start to come forward. And as we do that, I'm going to ask Logan to come up. Logan has a testimony. Come on up here quickly. You should come up here right on the side. I'm going to let you take that microphone right there, okay? This is uh, Logan. Logan uh, hasn't been in uh, Scarborough, right? He hasn't been in uh, church for quite some time, but he decided to come two weeks ago. And he didn't know this before he walked in, but Logan came here because God had a divine appointment for him two weeks ago. And I'm going to let him quickly share about that. Come right here, buddy. Ooh, man, I'm, I'm nervous now standing in front of everybody. I don't normally get nervous in front of people, but <laughs> I am right now. <laughs> um, uh, everyone, my name is Logan, and uh, I came here from Memphis about about five years ago to attend MTSU uh, and I studied music there and um, after uh, graduating I stayed here and uh, started working in music um, and uh, uh, during the you know the introduction of this whole pandemic uh, money kind of got tight for me I didn't really know what I was doing there was times I had some hard conversations with my parents like I don't even know in my Am I supposed to be here right now? I don't, I don't understand what's going on. Um, so um, the whole uh, just focusing solely on music didn't really work out. And um, in the midst of that, I uh, started coming here. And you guys have been so welcoming. <laughs> um, it's overwhelming, actually. Um, and I got the opportunity to interview for a job that I, it was a part of an industry that I've always wanted to work in, uh, which is the actual manufacturing of musical instruments. Um, and then during that time, <clears throat> I managed to get the interview, um, and uh, I also had the, the blessing of having some wonderful people um, that in a small group that, uh, that were praying over me during that interview. So I had the interview went well, and 
I uh, was just overwhelmingly worried about it. Every, every second, I was checking my email. Did I hear anything about it? Anything at all? And I'm asking them to pray for me and everything. And I realized and, and through that process that I, I, was, I was kind of fighting with God. I want this job. Give it to me. It's the only thing I can have right now. Until uh, when uh, Ke- <clears throat> Kevin had his, uh, his uh, sermon on uh, about how God sometimes cares about the journey more than the destination. And it was after that, that sermon that I was driving home and I was just bawling. I was crying and I, I realized that God said to me at that moment, come on, st- stop fighting with me, just trust me. And in that moment, I didn't care about the job or anything. I just cared about listening to him. And I just, I just told God, I said, I, you know, whatever, whatever happens, I trust you. And that was a Sunday. And then two hours later, I get a phone call saying, hey, we'd like to offer you the job. In that moment, huh? <laughs> right? <laughs> right? <laughs> so... All that worry and everything, that was just a part of the journey. And then now I know I can trust him. But I don't have to worry. He's got it. Amen. Yeah, thank you, brother. Thank you for sharing. Stories like that can be happening all the time in this church and in our lives because God's promises are yes and amen. Are you standing on your own version of the truth or are you standing on the truth of the word? What promises are you grabbing onto? The greatest promise that he ever made to us was that he's going to split this sky and he's going to come back for us. That is the greatest promise. And so as we come forward today and we take communion, we remember what he did so that we could stand on this truth, so that we could stand on this word.